Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin', and this episode is brought to you by my sponsor, Certified Piedmontese. I have a great offer for you, so stick around later in the episode. I want to get that to you. But first, let's get to my guest today. To be completely honest, I don't exactly know how to describe the place that I'm going to be telling you guys about today. I think some people could call it a coffee shop. Others would refer to it as a bakery. Some might prefer to call it a pre-movie hotspot. All I know is it's the type of place I want to eat at over and over again. Please allow me to introduce you to the brains behind Lola's. Uh, We have owners Claire Watson Bartolome and Stephen Bartolome and executive chef Karina Figueroa. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having us. So um, just because we've got multiple voices here, whenever I have several guests on the show, I like to help listeners differentiate between those voices. So can I have each of you introduce yourselves and then just say your role in the restaurant? Starting with you, Karina. Hello, my name is Karina. I'm one of the owners and the chef of Lola's. I'm Claire Watson Bartolome. Um, I act as the general manager and one of the owners. I'm Stephen Bartolome, and I'm the baker, one of the bakers at Lola's, and I uh, also kind of run the uh, the coffee and espresso program there. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. So one of the things that I find so interesting about Lola's is I feel like restaurants these days draw in customers so much by using advanced cooking techniques and wild ingredients and these fusion dishes that are super grabby on Instagram. That's not what Lola's is. I think, um, I mean, that's not to say that you guys aren't doing new and interesting things, but I think the way that I would describe your food is it's just simple, beautiful food that is done extremely well. So I'll just open it up to you. For someone who hasn't been into Lola's, how would you describe it? Yeah, I think um, you kind of hit the nail on the head uh, in terms of what we're striving for. Simple, beautiful food um, that we allow the ingredients to speak for themselves. There's sort of an honesty in the dishes. Um, to, To be frank, we are sort of all of those shops that you named. We're a coffee shop, we're a bakery, we're a cafe for lunch and breakfast, um, and then we're a candlelit dinner destination with wine and charcuterie and dinner entrees. So we're sort of all of those things, um, but that that, uh, common thread through everything is that we strive for everything to be tasty and well done. and honest in in how it's presented. You use the word honest twice in that answer. What what do you mean exactly by that? Um, So I guess it's sort of the flip side of of simple. I think Mm. that they go hand in hand. So some of our dishes have five, six ingredients. And so the quality of those ingredients and the representation of those in the dish have to be... um, have to stand each component has to stand for itself so something as simple as salt like absolutely can't be overlooked in the amount in the timing that it's used in the preparation of the dish um so yeah do you want to add anything to that honest comment karina (laughs) no it's putting me on the spot claire (laughs) uh well you know and it's also like 
it's it's a casual cafe, you know. So um, I think the relaxedness of it makes it uh, about the honest comment. Yeah, I think you nailed it. It's like some of the dishes have four ingredients, and we are. I'm trying to not hide anything in like a crazy technique, or you know. So I think that's yeah. something that's very unique and it's pretty rare in restaurants now i see so many dishes are just like loaded down in sauces or they're covered in butter or they're covered in cheese and all this it's just like some of the core ingredients of dishes are almost lost by all these extra things as you're conceptualizing lola's how did you decide we are going to be honest we're going to keep each dish within you know maybe not we're going to keep it within a certain number of ingredients but we're purposely not going to go overboard we're going to highlight the quality of those ingredients how did how did you come up with that backbone philosophy i guess yeah that's a good question um i think it was informed a lot by the time that we spent in new york so all three of us lived in new york city um, for a lot of our early adulthood and just the culture of eating out there. People eat out multiple meals a day, if not every single meal a day. Um, And I think that there are a lot of options then in cafes and restaurants that offer sort of healthy everyday meals um, that you can eat repeatedly day after day and not feel um, like, you know, you're going overboard. Um, And so I think a lot of inspiration from Lola's came from these cafes that we frequented so often in New York where you could go in at any time of the day and be guaranteed something delicious to eat, whether it was breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Um, So I think, yeah, a lot of the simplicity in the dishes come from sort of that idea. Yeah, and it's also the way we like to eat, right? And just like... It's satisfying, it's delicious, but most of the times you don't feel super sick after it. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, not to say that, like, there isn't a time and a place to have that restaurant experience to go overboard, for sure. sure. But, um, yeah. And it also kind of just fits with our location and the partnership we have with film streams and being in in a neighborhood like Dundee, and, and with the hours that we keep being open so many hours of the day, it kind of just works that for us to sort of offer, um, you know, very like just neighborhood friendly, I can stop in, grab a meal or grab a snack or get something before a movie. And it's not, it's, I, don't, I don't know, not to say that it's not a big deal, but it's not a big deal. It's just, it's just a nice meal to enjoy over. with your day. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you guys about that. Like, I keep wanting to, and I've even caught myself several times today, I've almost referred to Lola's as a restaurant, but I don't even know if I want to call it a restaurant because it is more of like a cafe. It's like a hangout. It's a spot to to grab coffee or work remotely or, you know, it it can be a restaurant. Like you guys mentioned, you can come have a candlelit dinner, but the times I've gone, it's usually been in the morning or for lunch where it's more so just like, come and hang out versus come and have a meal almost, but you're having a meal. I don't know if I'm making any sense at all, but it it's a very unique atmosphere, I think. And it's something that stands out immediately from the first time you visit. Yeah. Well, I think with some of that, part of 
what's going on there is, um, you know, when we, when we, uh, first got into the relationship with film streams, it was, the idea was to activate a community space. And, you know, for us, I think it's like, what better way to activate a community space than with food? You know, it's like you, you have a party, you put food out and, and it activates that party's community space. And so it feels that way during the day with Lola's, I think, especially it's like, you know, we put some food out, come on, hang out, have a meeting, you know, meet your friends. Um, you know, that sort of feel. And so I think that, and connected to that also is coffee, coffee being such a cafe culture community sort of socializing, um, uh, you know, treat that, um, so the, all those things I think are working hand in hand with the type of food we're serving with the atmosphere. Um, and yeah, that's kind of one of the, the great, I don't know, exciting things about the cafe now is it really does feel like just a hangout. We've got regulars. It's there's just a lot of meetings and a lot of catching up and especially post COVID, like seeing reunions happening or I I shouldn't say post COVID, but (laughs) as we're speaking in masks, (laughs) but um, as things are improving, exactly. Yeah. As things improve to see like reunions happening over a cup of coffee or, you know, or a sandwich or salad, like, it's just really cool. I mean, it's, that's been a really neat experience at the cafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, we reopened, um, to the public in May. May. Um, so open the doors, uh, for people to come in and eat inside for the first time, um, since March of 2020. Um, and that was an amazing feeling. We were a lot of people's like first venture out of their house. It was as if like Lola's was a metric for like, okay, it's safe to come out now, um, which is which is cool. We're happy to be that. And we're happy to meet you when you arrive. Uh, it was good to see everybody. Great energy. Tell me more about that reintroduction. What was that day like? Um, <laughs> so uh, I think we thought it was going to be slower than it was, but you know, eight o'clock rolled around, the doors automatically unlocked and there were just people in there, lots of them. It was as if, if we would have opened, if we would have unlocked the doors at any other day, there'd be people there too. Like we're just locking them out. Uh, it's kind of what it felt like. Um, so yeah, I was surprised and so happy to see so many people return. I mean, lots of people were in there for the first time even. So, um, I think it was just they were driving by or walking by and stopped in. So that was cool. Um, yeah, it was, it felt so good after 10 months of being alone in such a big space that really calls for people to, to be in it and lighting it up um, to have people back in there felt amazing. Mm-hmm. Something that I should have, this is bad hosting, bad podcast hosting. I should have teed this up from the beginning. We've made several references to the Film Streams Theater. So Lola shares a building with the Film Streams Theater. So literally, you can like be in the cafe, take like eight steps, and you're inside of a movie theater watching a movie. It, it's a really cool concept. Um, just for someone who hasn't been there, they might be a little bit confused. They're like, well, what is he talking about? Why are they talking about a theater so much? Yeah, That's why. So now we have that baseline set. Something that I think was super ambitious by you guys is Lola's is basically like three concepts in one, like we've talked about. It's it's a coffee shop for a lot of people. It's a cafe, and then it's also a, like a restaurant at night, a date night location. That's really hard to do. Like most restaurateurs can't pull off one concept, much less three in one space. 
what made you so ambitious right from the get-go? Yeah, I think it sounded easy. <laughs> you know, before we opened or anything, it was like, oh, sure, we can do all these things. And then, I don't know. In my experience, maybe we went for it because we really didn't know how much insanity it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so unless you're there, you just have to do it. And you Sometimes have to being it naive is, yeah. is yeah. helpful uh, <laughs> to jump in the deep end and learn how to swim. Um, there was a lot of lot of warnings from people or not warnings just when we would tell them what we were going to do they would say oh that's a lot and to us it's like how could it be anything else how could how could we not be open in the morning through the evening people have to eat all the time um part of the reason why we decided on it was so our partnership with the theater is an agreement to make sure we're there for theater patrons um and theater goers uh every um, on all the hours that the theater's open. So that's predominantly evenings uh, with a few daytimes on the weekends uh, and then on Thursday. And so in our mind, it was necessary as a business to be there for the theater business, but to have um, our own business throughout the day as well, just to ensure sort of the strength and fortitude of the business, making sure that people um, were coming all day. So that's... That's why. So we are definitely an evening destination always. And then we decided we would be an all-day destination early on from the beginning. Yeah. So. At the very beginning, we were open at 7 in the morning. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. The reopening, we did adjust the hours to 8. Yeah. So obviously that... I'm sure that that was very crazy at the beginning, trying to get all the processes down between like, okay, we're serving, but we're also prepping for dinner and then we're doing dinner and now we're prepping for the morning and then we're coming in super early making bread, trying to figure out everyone. Like my brain is getting twisted in knots and I'm just thinking about this. At what point, you guys opened in 2019, at what point did you start to get those processes down and feel like you found a comfortable rhythm? Uh, yeah, definitely the first week for me, it was just insanity. I like, I couldn't even like wrap my head around what was happening. Um, but you can't stop, you know, so you have to keep going and figuring it out. For me, I started feeling comfortable. Like the second week I kind of started understanding things. And then by the end of the year, which was December, I feel like it felt really good. I was really like fe feeling liber liberated around February, mm -hmm. and then we closed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, you yeah. start feeling comfortable yeah. and global pandemic. Yeah, any comfortability out the window. Yeah, yeah there, we definitely had had hit some sort of stride. It was still like intense. Um, it's always a little bit intense, but it was still pretty intense. You know, there'd be like, you know, first rodeo challenges that we had, where it's like. Somehow we've ended up with 87 heads of red cabbage in the house and <laughs> we out. have to figure out what to do with them. <laughs> so like ordering challenges were real even before supply chain problems. Like <laughs> those were, those were real. Uh, and there were insane hours. I mean, probably like sometimes 90 hours a week. Just like you just have to be there and understand things, right? And see it for yourself. Uh, but it was an amazing learning experience. And being um, in the theater also 
was an interesting learning curve. So a theater has inverse rushes to a restaurant. So at moments when a normal restaurant would be sort of at a lull, so at like 3.30, 4 o'clock, you're like, you know, very leisurely prepping for dinner. We have a, a matinee rush of people that come in. So that took a second to realize, oh, these are holes in staffing that we need to make sure we fill um, and things like that. So that was, was also <laughs> a little bit, we've got that down better now. <laughs> but And then our bread baker had to learn how to wake up early, and that was, that was a challenge. <laughs> it's a night owl. Yeah, those first, uh, yeah, the first months of Lola's was pretty intense in terms of just early morning, you know, figuring out systems to have, um, you know, it's, a, it's all sourdough process. So that's um, a natural fermentation, meaning a lot of hours, using a lot of time, um, you know, using your hands. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so the early on, it was, it was a pretty steep learning curve to, to amplify bread production up to the volume that the cafe pretty quickly moved towards with breads, sandwich breads, focaccia, and then the pastries um, and brioche products as well. So yeah, it, it was, uh, it was pretty intense. Um, and in the, the methods I had then, or the systems I had then are similar, but very different now. Like I've, I've learned efficiencies and where, you know, how, order of operations and just things that like really um, make it much more doable. So yeah, those early, those early months at the cafe were pretty uh, intense, pretty wild. <laughs> and especially for me, I was a, I was a late night person. I, uh, you know, it was just a, a dramatic flip to, to be waking up at three to go, to get to the cafe <laughs> as opposed to going to bed at three. <laughs> so. Have you always baked or how did you get into baking? Um, I, baked kind of like just as a hobby and for friends and for parties i don't know um since, since maybe the early mid 2000s um but that was not sour a sourdough process those you know using yeast um commercial yeast um and uh so i i just did that over time and, and really enjoyed it and always kind of was interested in the sourdough process and then uh, once we moved back to Omaha from New York and I had some space, um, and, uh, a few more kitchen utensils, I, uh, I started my sourdough culture and, um, and started, uh, just making tons and tons of bread and, and experimenting and, um, and yeah, so that, uh, the, the sourdough culture was a success and the flavors were, were really exciting to me and the process was fascinating and just how tactile and, I don't know, evolving and changing the breads were, um, with the weather, with the humidity, all, all those things were just really exciting. Um, and just eating delicious bread, you know, it's kind of just a, I mean, there, now there's more, even in the past couple of years, there's more bread options, but you know, there were times, especially in Omaha where there wasn't a lot of bread options for, especially like sourdough bread. So, uh, so it's just exciting to eat it too. <laughs> um, yeah. And then that kind of just connected us. We've, uh, with, you know, the, uh, the initial concept was a catering business where maybe my breads were going to be involved with the catering business that quickly then evolved into the Lola's restaurant. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> yeah, to give a timeline to that, I think we were just talking about this. Uh, Steve started his sourdough culture, I think in like August of 2018 and was baking for Lola's by 
July yep. 2019. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty quick turnaround. I, I don't know much about sourdough cultures or anything, but just the way that you guys' eyes are looking at each other right now, I can tell that that's <laughs> probably not common. So, Steve, like, how, how do you... Like, it's one thing to go from even being a great home baker to baking in a restaurant and leveling up your game so much, not only in terms of quality, but just in terms of sheer quantity. I'm assuming the processes that you have to put in place are completely new. How did you level up and master your baking game to get to the point where you are now? Yeah, it was was a challenge at first. we, so the restaurant opened in October of 2019. And so that summer I, it was just a lot of testing. So amplifying the re- the recipes, changing the ratios, um, just testing, 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 just baking all the time. Kind of like I, I said I was in spring training kind of jokingly. <laughs> and, um, yeah, just, just made a ton of bread, um, looking for things like consistent outcomes. And the, the nice thing about the sourdough process is once you, once your culture is healthy and thriving and you get onto a schedule, kind of like a, almost like a plant where you're feeding and watering that plant on a regular schedule, the sourdough culture is similar. And so once it's on a schedule and thriving, it is just a matter of ratios. So if you want, whether you want three loaves or 30 loaves, you just, you know, it's just a simple math problem then of how much flour and water to feed your culture. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So once, once things were healthy and, and, and strong, um, yeah, it was just kind of building and building and building. (laughs) I think so much of, you know, that honest food that you talked about, that kind of plays right into the bread and the bread is at the core of that. Because when you're starting with just a beautiful piece of focaccia, that would be delicious to eat on its own. You don't have to put many ingredients on it to make an amazing sandwich. You can just put, you know, a cheese, a meat, and a few vegetables, which is all you guys really do, or some eggs and a little bit of cheese. And it's, it just turns into something incredible. Karina, what is it like to, to be able to use that quality of bread when you're crafting dishes? It's such a gift. <laughs> it's such a treat, you know? I mean, I really, um, I would say that like those sandwiches would not be anything without bread, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, we talk about that a lot. So we went rounds, uh, in the architecture of the sandwiches, um, in the beginning, because we were designing them for everybody, but all, but especially for the moviegoers. So thinking about eating a sandwich in a dark theater, um, Yeah, you don't want anything like spilling out or lots of messy fingers. Um, So, yeah, we we talked a lot about how those sandwiches needed to be as simple as possible. And for sure, they're made with with the bread. They are made possible (laughs) because of the high quality of bread that we have. Um, You know, both Steve and Karina, like props to both of them for taking it from zero to 100 um, when we opened Lola's. I think I definitely have the most experience working in a restaurant and I don't cook a thing in there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So these two came on, it was their first 
first real job in a restaurant um, was running the kitchen and <laughs> designing the bread program and making it all possible. Um, so yeah, super impressive, like amateur to expert work that happened in opening Lola's. Okay. So let, let, we've talked a lot about the beginning of Lola's. Let's just officially go back there and let's start the timeline. <laughs> um, I was listening to another podcast that you guys were on a couple of years ago, Stephen, um, Stephen and Claire. And I know you guys were living in New York and then got the, you moved back to Omaha, Karina. You said you were in New York too. I'm not sure where your timeline fits in exactly with theirs, but you were running a, a boutique catering company when you guys all came up with this idea. Can you kind of set the timeline on when you all came together and how this concept from Lola's started to bloom? Yeah. So I came back to Omaha from New York in, I don't know, 2016. And then I started doing some catering stuff and then it was getting bigger. And I was like cooking from my friend's restaurant kitchen. And at some point I just wanted my own. And then these two came back. Which was about 2018. Yeah, 2018, yeah. we moved back this summer. Um, and I, I was working remotely, um, but kind of interested in what Karina was doing and like tagging along on her, her concept, seeing how I could help her out. And there were still some things that I couldn't understand. You know, I was like, I couldn't really understand how to move forward. So I, Claire was like, we're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so we saw a couple spots. We almost pulled the trigger on a, a couple different places. And all the while we were saying that like the one thing we would never do was open a restaurant. Never. Never have a restaurant. Um, and so I think we had, we had branded, had we branded Lola's? Yes. Like it had become a thing that existed without sort of a, um, a spot. Yeah. yeah. And, um, then our friend Phil and our other partner at Lola's, uh, got word of this opportunity at film streams and was asked to submit a proposal for a concept, um, that would be the the theater, the restaurant partner of the, the film streams theater in Dundee. Um, and I oh, think yeah, we had looked at a couple of spots and they fell through. Yeah. And we were like pretty down on ourselves. Like, Oh no, what yeah. are we going to do? And Phil came up with this yeah. opportunity, but none of those spots were going to be the cafe no. that you know. It was still now. catering. No. It was going to be catering. catering and we yeah. had some other ideas like some of how to have parties yeah. and yeah. Things that like, Right now seem very, very confused, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> and so, but they weren't restaurants. Um, and so, yeah, Phil came, brought this opportunity to us and he had some ideas of maybe like what we should serve and me and Kramer were like, no, 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 like this is what it should serve. And I think that's, that's where the cafe really started to take shape and we incorporated these things that we miss so much from New York into the concept and, and our travels and our travels and um, we had been working remotely a lot in coffee shops and sort of like bouncing from coffee shop to coffee shop and running into this dilemma like I like to eat lunch and you can only eat like so many pastries before you have to go find lunch but you're like in the middle of working you just like hit your stride and so 
we wanted to create a coffee shop that actually had lunch as well as delicious pastries um, for for coffee shop goers. So we incorporated that into it. So good coffee was going to be part of it and great food all the time was going to be part of it. And then, of course, we needed like delicious dinner and wine. Um, so that was going to be part of it. So that's how it was all, all brought together. And Film Streams is fantastic. And we pitched it to them and they really liked the the concept um, and were really supportive of us and have been great, great partners throughout our time there. And so, yeah, it was just, that's how it came to be. And we, we buried the, we're never going to own a restaurant idea. You never say never, you know? When did, when did the bread breaking process enter the equation? So, so Steve started his sourdough um, in 2018. And while we had more space than New York, we didn't have a lot of space. And there was so much dough. There was so much bread. You have so no much bread. We had so <laughs> many pastries I mean, every and day they would be like, you want some bread? Like, yeah. <laughs> ah, sure, I want bread. Not even and, a question. And it got to the point where it's like, you, you need to find a, a different kitchen or like stop baking this bread because it was just like there's dough everywhere. It's a messy process. You know, bakeries are big and spacious for a reason. <laughs> um, but so right along that time, the Lola's idea came. And so it's perfect. Great. You could bake you could bake bread there. But actually, he was on the fence um, and sort of a turn of life events happened where we actually got him as a baker. We almost didn't almost did. get him as a baker. <laughs> um, but, yeah. It, it, it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. I think you're going to do both things. Yeah. yeah you, another opportunity. We were so naive early on. And, <laughs> and, you know, as we talk, it's like it's true, necessarily so. I, I don't know if we would have jumped into some of these things knowing, you know, it's, it's, it's better that way. We just jumped in and then we had to do it. So, so yeah. Uh, yeah. At early on, I think I was going to bake kind of, I was going to, you know, moonlight as a baker and then maybe try to teach him courses or do something, you know, yeah. like I had these, like, I don't know. It was, it was, yeah, yeah, it's a no. It's a full full time job. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that kind of plays into something that I wanted to ask you guys about, and that you're all relative newcomers to the uh, specifically the restaurant industry. I think people who have worked in restaurants their whole lives they see a they see flaws in the process, but they also kind of get into that restaurant model and they have like their set ideas about what works in restaurants and what doesn't. Someone who's grown up in a restaurant their whole life would probably look at the concept of being open all day and run for the hills. But you guys said, no, you know, we can do it. And I'm sure that's obviously caused a lot of tension and a lot of long hours and probably some frustration at times. But also, I don't know if Lola's would be what it is without that that just naive go-for-it attitude. When it comes to ingredients, I remember early conversations. So when you start a restaurant, you go looking for, you get reps from different places. And I remember early conversations with our food reps about ingredients that we wanted, that they were like, no, you can't use that like a million dollars yeah (laughs) (laughs) restaurants don't use that um it's too expensive um and so those early conversations were like very eye-opening and we pressed through found lots of alternative sourcing which we've since like ironed out a little bit but 
Um, we still use the ingredients that we wanted to use in the beginning. And I think not coming from that sort of restaurant model mentality allowed us to say like, no, I think we, we can use olive oil in every dish that we want to use oil, <laughs> oil in. Um, and so, yeah, that that is like an early memory of being naive and saying, no, we're going to do it this way was really helpful to like, where we are now, for sure. Yeah, and I think in some ways it's kind of like ha- having being kind of amateurs early on, especially it's like, we, we kind of approach it from more of a holistic perspective where, you know, it's like, like with the ingredients, for example, it's like, well, we're going to like, those are, we, we're not going to compromise on that. And so then you figure out in, in the hours that you're open, in the services that you offer, in the product mix that you have, then you figure out way, like all of those things, like running on all of those cylinders makes it work. You know, if we were just a dinner destination, you know, we'd, I don't think it would work, but having all those, all those things going, having coffee happening, having, you know, lunch happening, having theater business happening, those, all of those things make it in a holistic way possible for us to kind of not have to compromise in the areas, those critical areas of, uh, especially when it comes to like ingredients and, and choosing, you know, organic local when possible. Um, uh, yeah. And just keeping things, you know, high quality in that respect. Yeah. And then also I think, um, Karina, please jump in here, but like the design of the dishes um, comes from a place of like, what do you want to eat? Like, what does Karina want to eat? What does she like to serve at her dinner table as opposed to what did she learn this or this place? Um, like technique based, it's just like what would be good? the basis of our menu and i think that that makes things really delicious thanks Claire. <laughs> hey there listeners we'll get back to my guest in a minute but i gotta remind you one more time about certified piedmontese i love when restaurant menus list all the different producers and farms where their meats cheeses and vegetables arrive from it gives me confidence that i'm eating a quality product because the restaurant is proud to attach its name to the brand the same goes for beef and that's one of the main reasons why i love certified piedmontese Certified Piedmontese is farm-to-fork traceable as it purchases its cattle from a trusted network of family ranches in the Midwest. All certified Piedmontese beef is raised without hormones, steroids, or antibiotics, and it's 100% source verified by where food comes from incorporated. And when you buy certified Piedmontese, you know where your food is coming from and why it tastes so good. Place your order today on Piedmontese.com with my promo code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, and feast on delicious, safe cuts of beef with confidence. And now, back to my guest. When, when you look back at the beginning and you're getting ready to open the restaurant and you're starting to design and develop menus for each... Okay, I'm liking this because I'm seeing you laughing, so I think this is going to be a good answer. When you're developing menus for specific parts of the day, we're going to have breakfast, we're going to have sandwiches for lunch, we're going to have pastries, and then we're going to have dinner... Like, where do you even start with that menu development process? I don't know. I mean, I don't know where there's a start. You know, everything just kind of like... It just happens. Together. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, we took inspiration of places. So we had like some concepts that were like, oh, that'd be cool. Like, we love that place. 
Um, so we took a lot of all of those things from here. We also, you know, it's like we've been to Italy together and, you know, sometimes you go to a bar that you don't think anything of it of the bar and you get like the most amazing food there. And it's like so simple and just like it's overlooked kind of because you think you're just in a bar. Um, so I like kind of got all in my head and <laughs> just came up with a weird menu and ran with it. Um, and that, I mean, I really don't have a process. I see like images in my head. I think of like what would what sounds good for me. I like a bunch of cravings that I get and then I develop them and make it into something. So, yeah, I'm sorry for that answer. <laughs> There's nothing to apologize for. That's a great answer. And I have really fond memories of those before the cafe was open. Like, really, like, literally, the, the Lola's menu happened around our dinner table, dining room table, Karina's dining room table. Like, like quite literally, we'd just get together in the afternoon and and with some notebooks and then we'd make some stuff and then we'd have some friends over and test some things and... um and it was just really like a celebration to like build this menu and to build the, the food. Um, and it was just like, I mean, that's just kind of the way that we're friends anyway is by sharing food together and having laughs around a table. So it just really like was a natural progression from that experience to like trying to pin it down on a menu for, for customers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then once you do have customers, they also provide feedback. <laughs> then you what? what? What do they, what do they like to Diners eat? Diners tell you about their food? <laughs> no. What they order, what they don't order. So, yeah, we uh, we learned from them also. And now, like, I lob ideas at Karina <laughs> maybe out there. And she sits with it for a while and usually comes back and is like, boom, there it is. Nails it every time. Okay, so we're talking about a lot of delicious food, but I, I want to, like, if somebody is, like, 90% on the fence right now, they haven't been to Lola's, they listen to this, they're like, this seems like a really cool place, this is a really cool story, and they're, like, on the precipice of visiting, and all they need is to hear about that one dish that's going to push them over the edge. What are a couple dishes that you guys want to tease out, some of your favorites that are just, like, that is a home run every time. Anyone who comes in is going to love that. Well, should we start in the morning? Start in the morning, yeah. yes. What do you like in the morning? So uh, if you are coming through Lola's on a weekday, um, we have two egg sandwiches. One is very dear to my heart. It's called the Little Eggy, and it's on a sourdough brioche with a hard-boiled egg, house-pickled onions, and local cheddar cheese. And it is surprisingly just like all you need for breakfast. It's great with black coffee. That's my preference. If you want to go for something a little bit bigger, we have the toasty, which is probably the like it's the bomb. star popular. Um, it's delicious. It's on sourdough focaccia uh, with scrambled eggs, perfectly scrambled eggs, like Karina scrambles eggs. Like I've never known anybody to scramble eggs. It's very impressive. And she teaches all of her cooks how to do it that way also. Um, so it has prosciutto and um, Parmesan cheese. So it's it's good. Try, try the toasty. Um, we have brunch on Saturday and Sunday. So we have a few more uh, breakfast specials. Um, 
And there are several highlights there, but I am going to shout out to the blueberry sourdough pancakes, sourdough blueberry pancakes served with real maple syrup. They are amazing. Um, very, very hearty plate. Um, in the afternoon, the grilled halloumi cheese salad <laughs> is made with grilled halloumi cheese, which is a grilling cheese from Cyprus. Um, it has quinoa, chickpeas, uh, radish, parsley, red onion, and house-made uh, lemon dressing. Um, this salad is like you eat it the first time. You're like, yeah, that that's pretty good. But like maybe like I'll try something else next time. But then the next day you're thinking about the salad. It gets in your brain and you have to have it again. So I'd invite everybody to see if they get addicted to the grilled halloumi cheese salad. The sandwiches are all great. Um, and then at night, the roasted chicken. Have the roasted chicken. Okay. I don't even want any further description. I just want get the roasted chicken in a passionate voice. And like, you guys can't see it. But Claire just like stared right into my eyes. I was like, get the roasted chicken. She was speaking to my soul right there. And I appreciate that. The, the one other thing that I want to highlight, and this is uh, on the pastry side, it, and the, the pastries change a lot day by day. Things rotate in and out, uh, different scones, rolls, uh, buns, stuff like that. The morning bun, that is the one. And I've had many pastries from Lola's. They've all been great. But the morning bun is the one that sticks in my head the most. It's a, um, a buttery brioche twirl that has cinnamon, sugar, and a little bit of orange zest, which I remember when we asked the uh the person at the counter about it she told us that and we were like that's a little that's something <laughs> but it it absolutely works just like that little bit of just um that, that that just that hint of orange is like i don't know it's just really pleasant in a way that's hard to describe but anyway yeah, yeah i had to give some love to the morning yeah, bun. i'm glad you like that one i i you're not a fan? I'm a fan. Okay, I, I, you're but, a fan. But I, always, I get real um, insecure sometimes about it. And so I'm like, okay, do we need to just it, – because it's, it's been a staple since we opened. It's like, do we need to change this one out? Do we need to try something different? Do we need to adjust it? And it is – there's something about it where it's like it, – I don't know. It's kind of the Lola's ethos. It's like it's very simple. It's not like goopy and, and saucy and, you know, which which – like sometimes I'm wondering, should it be? And then I'll then I'll sample a little bit, you know, like ask the ask everyone else how the morning buns today, or, you know, and and yeah, there's just something about it. It's I think it's that that hint of sour from the brioche, um, and then with that orange and then the sweetness that kind of like I don't know, it does something that is um, that's uh, yeah, I don't know, it's hitting a different note than a usual like cinnamon roll maybe, but um, but I, I'm 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 at peace with that. I think it's okay. <laughs> I think I think it's perfect because it's like a sticky bun, but it has that distinct Lola's personality in which it's not loaded with a frosting on top. Like it, it's like the simplest version of a sticky bun, and that it's not goopy or anything. It is just it highlights the bread so well, and then just adds enough sweetness and enough of that orange to be unique. So. 
Cool. I'm yeah. glad you like it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're giving it a shout out. I've jumped in front of the morning bun several times when I was about to get the axe. It's like, no, take it. You gotta keep it. <laughs> People love it. It's like, but today we have this pastry. Like, it doesn't matter. We need the morning <laughs> bun to too. That one too. Gotta throw the morning bun in yep. there. <laughs> Um, so as you're opening a new restaurant and one that is a very different concept than most people understand, like this isn't a movie theater, it's open all day. Is it open for breakfast or dinner? Well, it's open for both. Like how, how do you get the word out about this and kind of help people understand this isn't something that they've experienced before, but you help them get to the point where they're like, oh, okay, now I understand what Lola's is. Yeah, um, I would say that we did very little like marketing. Didn't, it's like word of mouth. Um, again, we're pretty recently from New York at this point. So it's like, oh yeah, people will just find out about it. Um, and we thought we had a good shot of that happening since it wasn't a movie theater and there is like more natural like walking traffic than maybe most places get in Omaha. Um, so yeah, we, we have an Instagram account and that and is word of mouth. After that. <laughs> yeah. Just word of mouth. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't think we, think we did anything else. No. We have big families. We, have big families. <laughs> we do have big families. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, you know, maybe if we were to open again, maybe we would have gone a little bit heavier on getting the word out, like, in that way. But to be honest, I think it was really um, sort of a natural build, like, as we were, you know, getting our sea legs, giving us some time to like build into busy. Um, so yeah. Karina, you mentioned how crazy that first week was just trying to figure out your schedule and how you're going to, to get all this food prepped and pumped out. At what point did things start to slow down for you and you start to develop your processes and really feel like okay I'm not I'm no longer just keeping my head above water but I'm actually starting to swim yeah uh like I said like within I mean at the fifth month I was like okay got it you know and you know sometimes I just do everything by myself and I forget that there's other people I was like no me 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 uh so it took me a while to you know delegate things but yeah it like I would say around five months, I like everything was more clear and like, yeah. But I think it just, you and I think it took just so many hours for me to realize and like see everything to get to that spot. You know, I've never worked in a restaurant before. Mm-hmm. I did not go to culinary school. I was just a home cook and like a person that would love to throw parties and we would throw these like dinner parties in our tiny little apartments in New York. And for some reason I thought that running a restaurant was going to be like that. (laughs) (laughs) So at the beginning, I remember like day two or three, Claire was like, we need more soup. I'm like, but I just made like a a pot of soup. (laughs) She's like, okay, cool. But we're going to need like three different soups every day. I'm like, I don't even know how that's possible. It's like, I, we just need it. And I'm like, okay. So I like started making three soups a day, just like in a like 
four chord plot. I didn't even know what four chords was. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would just start making the soup and then it would like run out in hours and I'm like, oh my God. So it became this thing I just start making a lot. And then you realize, you know, like how many, how, how much stuff you need. So yeah, it just takes a lot. <laughs> yeah, soup, uh, the first five months we were open, a cup of soup was our number one seller. seller. Really? I don't know. Do you remember the like how much soup it was we a lot. went through? Like, yeah, we make so much soup every day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, for reference, it's like they make batches of forty quarts of soup at a time, and they last a couple days. So, oh um, yeah, the soup is really good. But, uh, yeah, you need a lot of ingredients to make that much soup. Especially, like, you know, with the way the way these guys are doing it, it's like, you know, chopping fresh vegetables. There's no, you know, there's no nothing pre-made about no the soups. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, so that, yeah, it's like those are big orders of big vegetables and, you know, big prep schedules of chopping, oh, chopping, 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 and then, <laughs> and then big pots and then big storage. <laughs> so, so, yeah, the soup... It, it's kind of, I mean, we kind of laugh about it, but yeah, there sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, how can we make more soup? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of along those lines of the things that you don't know before you know them. If you guys could go back two, two and a half years to when you opened or soon after you opened and give yourselves one piece of advice, what would that be? I mean, I think that maybe it's kind of a, uh, a reminder to to the, to that person to me two years ago is that um, that asking for help is totally cool. Like people want to help, you know. So we have an amazing staff, um, and and uh, I think when early on, you know, it's like it's your baby and you're trying to figure it out and you you're not super confident in your systems yet and stuff. And so you're just like head down. I'm going to work through this. I'm going to figure it out. And you know, and that's. You, you have to do some of that, but then also I think we all kind of learned the hard way that like, it's okay to ask for some help or to, to give something over to somebody um, and not be so protective of some of the, <laughs> some of the work, you know, mm -hmm. um, especially when you have a great, a great staff like that would, you know, uh, so yeah, yeah. Light, lighten your load a little bit would be my advice to, to my old self. <laughs> I would say that, it's don't sweat the small stuff. There's like plenty of stress that you are going to encounter. And some of it is big, like stress you need to have and other stress you don't need to have. So like things happen day to day that like don't feel great or especially in the beginning, I feel like it was really emotional to open the restaurant. And then like, if it wasn't busy, there's like all of these things that go through your head. Um, so I'd say like, especially like that sort of stress, you just don't need, like, don't. And it's like impossible. I'm like saying it now, like I wouldn't have listened to myself, but yeah, like try not to sweat the small stuff, prioritize what like you need to what you need to focus on and what you need to stress about and then try to let the rest go. Cause you can't carry it all. Mm -hmm. It's only okay. <laughs> okay. That's the best advice there. <laughs> Just keep telling yourself that. <laughs> all right. Uh, before I let you guys out of here, there's two questions that I like to ask just about everybody I have on the podcast. Um, 
The first one is, what is one thing that you feel most diners don't know about the hospitality industry that you wish they did? Oh. <laughs> For example, how difficult it is to make soup. <laughs> I, I had no idea that soup making was so difficult, and now I do. Uh, modifying the menu is very hard. Like, whenever you get modifiers, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, because sometimes those things are not set up for the line, or, like, they're not even there, you know? So, I don't know. We make it work out. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty difficult. Yeah. Um. I think that, you know, if you've never worked in hospitality, like I'm speaking to front of house because that's where I've spent most of my time is in the front of house of restaurants. Um, the amount of things that your server is doing and juggling at any one time is like is completely unknowable if you've never been there. Um, and so when you have a good server experience, when you have gotten great service, like really appreciate just like how great of a job that server is doing because their job is really hard even if it doesn't look even if they make it look easy their job is really hard yeah i think definitely just like especially in this moment with the pandemic it's like you know just reiterating how important service industry work is and how much you know how important it is to to culture and community and building community and uh and and just yeah it's like it can't be said enough how how important servers and kitchen workers are and um and how unfortunately they can be taken for granted and you know this in the midst of pandemic it's like you i think you really gain an appreciation for for the role um in building community and and uh um and for the and for just for the sheer hard work that they that they do, so, sure, yeah. And most most uh, restaurant employees don't get paid very well. It's a low paying job. We're trying to change that at Lola's, but that it's very difficult for to keep people in an industry that doesn't treat them well, especially in crisis times of pandemic. Sure, well said. And uh, to end things on a positive note, what is you guys' favorite? Part about being in the hospitality industry that we can bring an amazing experience to people yeah, yeah. for me there's these moments um and especially early on um when you start hearing like uh, uh utensils clinking on porcelain and you hear the sort of the the roar or the the sounds of you know the indistinct sounds of conversations in the dining room and and you feel like the space is alive and those were moments that were really like meaningful to me it was just very exciting to 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 have life happening and have people like enjoying an hour at the cafe and um uh and then on a on a personal note when somebody picks up a boule to bring home like a, a loaf of bread to bring home I don't know. That's really special to me because it's like bread is so elemental and they're bringing it home and it's part of just the basics of their food that week. And it's like, I don't know, that's like kind of a favorite thing <laughs> of mine too. So, Yeah. And I absolutely love the energy of a restaurant that's full of people and all of the like things that so many people in one space bring with them, like that frenetic energy of, of, 
people needing things and you greeting people and just it's it's a wonderful feeling to have have so many people enjoying something in a space and just being there and bringing it to life Mm -hmm. well listeners i think over this last hour it's been pretty easy to tell just what this space and what this uh, this concept, this cafe means to these three people and, and how much time and intention has gone into creating an experience that honestly is wholly unique in Omaha. I, I haven't found anything exactly like it, which is difficult to say in a town with this many restaurants and coffee shops and everything, but I commend you guys on going for it, on creating something that nobody else is <laughs> is working on and I encourage anybody listening to this, like, go in and just hang out. Like, get some pastries, get some bread, have an awesome sandwich for lunch, go for dinner and get the chicken. <laughs> Don't mess around, just get the chicken. And you're going to have a good time. Like, I can't imagine anyone going in and not enjoying an experience at Lola's, whether it's just hanging out for 30 minutes or sharing a meal, whatever it might be. It's it's a good time. So, uh Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. This conversation has just been a true pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. It's been a pleasure, too. All right. And Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us. A Huda Media Production.